I've had a request for all five, but we don't all know them, so the first and the last verses are the red flag. <laughs> So, as Parliament struggles to dissolve and has to be broken up with the brush, it's today's episode of That Option No Longer Exists, the podcast where, since there are no MPs, we can't be angry with any MPs this week, or can we? Uh, Well, I think we still can. Um, Alan Ken seems to be uh, heading for that. He's gone. Well, still an MP. Uh, my name is John Bounds, and that voice who is still angry with Alan Cairns is Adam Juniper. And um, I'm on the left of the left, and he's on the, let's say, the far right of the left. You, uh, yeah, from, from John's point of view, I'm a Blairite scum. And from normal people's point of view, I'm still vaguely left wing. So it's the Reds and the Red Tories. And yes, as I say, Parliament's just been dissolved. The election is actually on. It is. We said it was on uh, last week, so, you know, we were really ahead of the times. Now it's actually on, because Brenda says so. Did you? Uh, well, and I'd just like to uh, congratulate you, Adam, from last week, and being totally right about the fracking thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was, I thought that was a fairly easy guess. Uh, but don't worry, I'm sure, if the Tories win, fracking will be back on again in a couple of weeks. Well... well it's Plus just election. yes. It seems a little bit like that. Um, the promise to to build those uh, twenty thousand specially affordable homes, two hundred thousand specially affordable homes that um, they've built. Well, they are very affordable. It, I mean, they literally cost nothing, but also don't exist. It's almost as if you can't trust the Tories, isn't it? I mean, uh, but I've. Uh, they're not the only I mean, people. It's, it's funny because where I live, there are a lot of affordable homes being built all over the place. Um, but For affordable is an interesting yeah. definition. Yeah, I mean they're they're on the help to buy scheme, but they're still in zone two and a bit. Um, no one wants to admit they're in zone three, but there you go. Um, that is the the Stratford Olympic Park, and you know once they've built enough of the homes they actually want to build. They start to build the ones for the help to buy scheme. That's how it works. The ones that don't get quite such nice access or quite such nice parks. That kind. The ones where the neighbours won't look at you because you bought on help to buy. Unless you're uh, a Tory MP, which a few of them have done, um, or maybe I'm sure they don't actually live in them. Yeah, no, no, that's just taking advantage, isn't it? A bit of family money, buy a house no one needs, rent it out to some. Uh, you know, when there's pressure on the population. So of course, so- those folks are going to be in trouble if they send all the Europeans back home, aren't they? It will be the, the bonfire of the landlords. But what we're seeing, I think, in this first week or so of the election, is sort of the the, um, the contents of the political cereal box settling in transit, as it were. And we're going to see um, just how those campaigns are going to play out and who's going to be standing in different places. Um, I've seen it quite amusingly. Um, uh, Ex-Labour, uh, the funny tinge lady, Miss um, Mrs. Smith, uh, Angela Smith saying um, that she's uh, been discriminated against because she's quit her party. Because and she's a racist. Well, and because she's left where she was standing to stand in another uh, constituency she thinks she might actually win in um, or has a better chance in which of course means she doesn't get the £20,000 uh, payoff if she loses so she's being discriminated against there well I don't feel like that's discrimination is it 
That seems like a perfectly reasonable not getting the... If she's carpetbagging, which is American speak for doing what she's doing, then, uh, yeah, you know, if you can afford your own carpet bag, you don't need £20,000 from me. This is true. Um, but this... I've, I, it's interesting to see the, the candidates announce and then finding out just... Um, which of them have said something naughty in the past, like uh, our, uh, the candidate for the Gower, uh, the Tory candidate for the Gower, who has uh, apparently said that the poor, like those on Benefit Street, should be put down. Um, Which, yeah, now that's going a bit far, isn't it? I don't know. If, um, if Nick Timothy's writing the uh, Tory manifesto again, that's um, that's probably going to be in it. Obviously, you could make a... a it's, I mean, the, the thing about it is it doesn't work economically. You thin out the numbers of, of the poor, and in a market economy, who's going to provide the services? Some of the uh, some of the capitalists and kulaks who are controlling those poor are going to find their businesses failing. And then are they going to become poor as well? It's just not fair on the people who are exploiting those poor people to kill them. It's desperate, and one of those people, of course, Jacob Rees-Mogg, said something very stupid yesterday. Yes, this is this is one of my favourites. So, one of the uh, the things we were talking about last week, I think, were the, the conditions required for the sort of momentum promise that somehow can Corbyn can bring the polls closer or bring about uh, an election victory. Um, when he's coming from a much worse position than he was even last time when he still lost. Not in the polls. Um, um, the position is closer than it was last time. Ah, yes, no, his personal polling is worse, but the uh, Labour Party polling is, is closer, yes, sorry. Um, anyway, um, yes, so that, that was that's my question, and, and I've, I've not yet known what the answer is going to be, but maybe, just maybe, the Tories really want a sort of a more level playing field. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. Is they're going to make some spectacular blunders right out of the gate, and it would seem to me that having Jacob Rees-Mogg tell people that they shouldn't have burned to death by listening to their firemen and their instructions, and he certainly wouldn't have done because he's far too clever, not like you poor people in the tower. Um, but he's apologised. That, that was now, what he said, wasn't it? The, yeah, he, was had, had, he did apologise, but his apology was a bit odd as well because he said the people of Grenfell, in a, as if he genuinely thinks they lived in a nice little village somewhere. <laughs> I think that's the only way he can picture it. But the <coughs> excuse me, the um, the the interesting thing is we live in such a divided society or such a society where the absolute nut jobs are allowed to be nut jobs in without cover is you look at the um uh reese mogg's mate had to apologize this morning for backing him up um the na the name of this minor tory mp now completely escapes me but he uh he tweeted out an apology about 5 a.m this morning on twitter probably he thinks peak uh getting up for being knocked up to go and work in the factory time to apologise to these plebs and um the, but all of the replies essentially were going don't don't apologise. Don't don't you fucking idiot. You've apologised now. These people fucking deserve it. Rhys Mogg was right. And you're a fucker on Brexit because you're going to vote for this uh, Brexit in name only. That's a Boris's bastard and all this. And you think, 
are these people, I mean, genuinely are they bots? I don't know. But if these people exist, walking down the street seems to be just, you might just get hit by fucking sides of pork or whatever. I don't it's, fun, it's funny when you say bot. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Humans have got worse rather than AI's got better. So instead of facing all hordes of bots, we're facing a parliament of 20 or 30 characters and drones that just repeat those things. Yeah. Well, like, it's the back up. If you yeah, if you're going to go for the Turing test, it's um yes, these it's much easier to make you believe that something said by a, a computer program is a, a person these days because people are a lot worse um, in all manners. And uh, it seems to be, or maybe we're just throwing. Um, well, I think maybe you and I, you and I, you uh, and I, as as smug intellectual elites, have, have just got slightly used to having, you know. Uh, what Johnson would call a broken parliament, what we would call one where some people have to think a bit. Because that was the magic of a hung parliament, wasn't it? People could have their own thoughts. Uh, like the the wonderful Labour people who uh, voted against Article uh, 50. Well, not just Labour, but... Yeah, not too many of them, but a, a significant number. Again, um, props to uh, Clive Lewis, has been one of the the people who's has held his line, which has probably been the right line all the way along. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although he's a, uh, some would call him a loony left, but he always sounds quite sane when you hear him talk. Well, of course, some would, some would, because he's he's left wing. But he um, he he's he, he what he did was he principally made the right call, probably on this, and then stuck to it. Uh, and he, not to his um, not to his own benefit, to be honest. So you've got to admire him for that. So, but these um, yes, would... not not to his own better benefit because his party leadership did not necessarily make the right call. But that's not the point. Well, it didn't make because the right call. It certainly wouldn't be. It certainly wouldn't be the only party leadership <clears throat> to have made the wrong call. Perhaps didn't make the right call at the time. So let's talk about this. The things on your side of politics, Adam. This Remain Alliance thing—that's not going particularly well either, is it? Um, it's Joe been a Swin- bit of a mess, hasn't it? Joe Swinson um, accusing um, Labour of being a party that wants to break up the United Kingdom, and then, of course, having to side with Plaid Cymru uh, in some yeah. seats in Wales. Not a good look. And, there. and in fairness, it's very likely that they would have to side with the SNP in an alliance, and the SNP are definitely a party who want to break up the United Kingdom. There is not it's, it's, a coherent internal position, is there, for this thing? There, there, well, there isn't, and that there isn't a coherent. Uh, there, there's no way of having a coherent position without a more solid lead for either the Lib Dems, who do at least have a coherent internal position within themselves. It might be um, fantasy, but it's coherent. Exactly, exactly. It's as um, it's as coherent oh, as I don't know, like his dark materials or something else like that. I don't know. Or the have, you ever, read the, the have you ever read his dark material? I have never read any of your wizards cobblers, any of them. None of them. <laughs> okay, so I read his his dark materials. It's, it's all right, actually. It's quite good. I've read uh, what's the other um, the other one you just mentioned? With the line of the witch in the wardrobe. Yeah, I haven't read that so much because I'm aware that rather than taking the mick out of religion, as uh, I would say Pullman does, he's more saying what a brilliant thing it is. It's just an allegory, isn't it? I heard that. Yes, um, I again not read it. Saw a cartoon of it once. It's all right. The, it's also middle middle class values. Very not not my cup of tea. Anyway, I've got a book of Michael Rosen's edited workers' fairy tales to read. Actually, the um, 
But so yeah, this whole um, it's becoming very difficult. Actually, sorry, uh, yeah. Now I'm going to have to interrupt you again. Work is fairy tales, right? Um, so I've got an edition of um, Hansel and Gretel, which, uh, well, it's you know, my reading age is slightly above that, but uh, for my three-year-old, and it just starts with uh, so and so. You know, mum and daddy were very poor, so they led their kids out into the forest. Like, like it's a, a rational, normal response. <laughs> and then, having tried the once, and the kids get their way home, they do the whole thing again with the breadcrumbs um, until they've definitely got rid of the kids. But then, later on, when the kids eventually find their way home, having killed an old lady, uh, the parents are really pleased. Oh, so but um, have you know has their monetary system improved, or have they just simply stolen? We, we the don't wealth? know if their monetary situation has improved, or or maybe the children have somehow gained the property with the um, gingerbread house in the forest, and have brought the title deeds back. None of none of these details seem important to the. In fact, the only thing that seems important to my three-year-old is that there's a little pull flap for the bit where Gretel pushes the old lady into the oven. <laughs> well. It's a thing that we'd all it like to do to witches. The um, and that oven door is opening wider and wider for the uh, the the sort of clownish uh, witch that is a uh, uh, prime future prime minister Joe Swinson. She just she just seems to be um, a consistent uh, number of you know they call them car crash interviews these days, but they you don't you don't walk away from car crashes if they really were them. It's no, well these days. I mean, most modern vehicles, yeah, most people survive most car crashes. Um, and so maybe that is Joseph. You know, she's got a nice new car, um, with a few dings around the edges. I mean, the Lib Dems do all right in countryside seats, so it's probably like, um, you know, decent sized Range Rover. Do they um, come in yellow? Probably. And these tactical voting sites they have these days. Um, have you had a go of one of those? I haven't. I haven't because, you know, the tactical voting in the constituency of which I live is to try and work out when you can travel there without getting knifed. <laughs> but the um, so I I do I, mean, I am interested in in this sort of thing. I don't think our population is politically engaged enough in the right way to make tactical voting really work. I think withdrawing can work in certain circumstances. So. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard otherwise, but uh, that's certainly the Catholic's preference, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we're not we're not advising the Pope here, but the... Um, but, for example, in um, uh, Oxford West Abington, the uh, Greens withdrew in favour of the Lib Democrats... Uh, last time and you know that probably helped but it only helped because they then continued to campaign for green things but pointed out that they weren't standing if you see what i mean they still put as much effort into it i think a little bit um is thing things i'm worried about is that um some of these parties will with withdraw and then think okay if we've in certain areas and you know we'll put our feet up job done because they still yeah. need to campaign against the tories Yes, I mean, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Tactics um, and, you know, the feet on the ground. Um, plus, of course, you, you can't be sure about the electorate. I've seen some very weird Vox Pops this year. There was uh, an ardent Brexiteer explaining why they would be voting Lib Dem in their constituency. And 
however incoherent it was, it made sense to them um, to vote for the most pro-Remain party they could. So, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't believe you. I have set up a tactical voting website. Actually, it's just called uh, NeverVoteTory.co.uk. Um, I mean, that's a good anti-Tory tactic. I think it, it's a, it's fundamental, isn't it? But I, like you say, I'm not entirely sure that most people, you know, there are some people like Joe Swinson who may well vote for Tory candidates in order to keep the Tories out or withdraw in favour of I don't know, Dominic Grieve or something who will vote for all the austerity uh, policies but will, um, uh, I don't know, pay lip service to whatever Brexit nonsense is going on. I mean, yeah, Dominic Grieve, now leaving aside the whole Brexit, well, sorry, going going to the uh, austerity. Would he have voted austerity if it, if it had been a different Tory government, or was he for that sort of policy? Just the kind of MP who says yes or goes along with the whip. Is it only when it got into Europe, or was it only when he just understood? I, I don't. I, it's very hard to know, isn't it? I think that's really I, true, and I think that the. the um... The weird thing about some of the Lib Dems that have uh, used to be Tories is that their voting record is not what you would want as a Lib Dem, uh, yeah, as Lib Dem no, supporter. I mean, Ho- and they represent hopefully. a high percentage of, admittedly, for a very short period of time, the uh, actual Lib Dem MPs now, don't they? Yeah, completely, and we'll see because I, I, I don't think many of them will survive. So um, they may as well stay in their own seats and collect that £20,000. I think I would. But as we wait um, for for the manifestos to be released, some policies are sort of leaking out. The the Tories have uh, said they'll ban fracking while anybody's looking. Um yeah, well, I, th- I mean, that is such, I, I, I mean, obviously I said it before, but it was such a, a predictable thing, just not just by going from the PMQs, but because in, in terms of a pure cost benefit, one of the things about Tories is their NIMBYs. One of the things about fracking was it wasn't making as much money as anyone thought. And the thing about earthquakes is they, they are probably vote losy. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you, you know, it's a very straightforward bit of electoral maths and one the Tories have done before as well because it's not the first suspension of fracking early in the coalition years I'm sure it probably does it's the sort of thing that they would do all the time you know I'm not I'm not being cynical they are Uh, but it's interesting and I I don't see and it it was quite obvious from the, the the launch I'm doing air quotes there of the Tory campaign as an interview to the Telegraph as far as I can tell uh, that seems to be quite a weird way to do it anyway but um the tories don't seem to have a policy they talk their policies seem to be we will abuse the labor party that doesn't strike me if that puts them onto the back foot <laughs> well, if, if anyone does any abusing of people nearby we would just won't talk about it or at least till we get found out yeah oh, of course but it, it's um but you, uh, you know, you know this. That the pol- policies are the the crux of it, and they're, they're going to be the crux of any uh, Labour campaign. And they've they've got to be. There's some brilliant ones out there. Well, the the thing about policies, though, is that it's it's a lot harder to have them if you're in government. Strangely, 
it's very easy to talk about what you're going to do if you're not in government. If you've been in government for a bit, then everyone knows what you've been trying to do um, or vaguely aspire to do or what sort of people you are. I think that I think that's fairly true, but I think the whole um, you know, new brush sweeps clean and all that, Johnson did have an opportunity to do that just because they he haven't did, got anything he spent coherent. It. He spent it for the sake of a week's proroguing on a Queen's speech, didn't he? And we've had the sp- we know what it is because you know. But the, my government and I but, will make sure that it's much harder for people to vote Labour, um, and some other stuff to do with foreigners. The media are credulous enough, however, to report anything they say as news. So they um, reported the um, the uh, the end of the benefits freeze for next year as as a new Tory policy. Yet that was announced three years ago. So it would be news if they hadn't decided to do it. But it's um, but they haven't released any policies. Labour are going to release loads. And you said you'd like to find out what they were. Yeah. As somebody who maybe couldn't cope all the way through Labour Party conference and got a bit too excited by the Supreme Court during that time anyway, I'm maybe not as sure what the uh, Corbynite Labour Party is proposing in some major policy areas as I used to be when I was an ardent uh, Blairite. Um, Blairite's come, sorry. Um, But so now, out in the real world, I have a vote. I may use it. (laughs) (laughs) What, you know, what are those policies? How should I be being drawn? And I'm going to ask John, who does know, who uh, studies every detail, to talk me through a policy area each week before the election Uh, and this week we're going to start with education because I've just been visiting primary schools uh, that my son will be going to next year or I have several I have to pick from them uh, which feels slightly capitalist in itself to me Um, so tell me how education is going to be better for my youngling under Corbyn's labour well there, Obviously, there's a, an assumption we're making here. There are well, there are three, I suppose, main um, policy areas that are that are coming through right now. Number one is the schools will have enough money for you know, like books and teachers and things like that. Um, that's quite. That I mean, seems quite one a good of the schools one. I visited did explicitly. Well, no, you know, certainly alluded to the fact that that wasn't entirely straightforward. Um, so that is a, definitely a good one. Um, my nearest primary school, and quite possibly the one we'll pick, or maybe the one that is picked for us, depending on how popular the others are, uh, was opened by Tony Blair in 2005, something like that. There's a little plaque with his name on. Um, yet, because of the way it's arranged, because there are three classes of up to 30 students and because there are other schools which have been built even more recently nearby uh, or have different Ofsted scores, um, some of the, they, they average about 25 students per class. And that means they don't get as much money. But they still have the same staff. They still have a teacher and a teaching assistant. So that money has to come from somewhere because they get their money comes per pupil. Yeah. Uh, there are also other schools which are teaching schools which get some extra cash for that. But basically, 
there's a there's a real as far as I can see there's a real curve off. You know, you, you have a few less pupils than your allocation, and you effectively have a lot less money for resourcing because your staff costs are still the same. Completely, that's the um, that's one of the 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 sort of real problems with the way that the Tories have refactored school funding is that they've essentially done it in the same way they tried to do it with the NHS where the the money follows the the patient and in the school system the money follows the pupil but that means schools are struggling to budget that means they're struggling to do things like reduce class sizes which is obviously important and you know incredibly important on the for the quality of teaching and it also means they are almost sometimes incentivized to do weird things like um make decisions on whether or not the amount of money that a pupil because some pupils will bring more money like pupil premiums is a good trade-off and then try to spend that money on something else i'm aware of children who are um uh, attached to a pupil premium for a school they're going oh no we're going to pool all the school will take them on and go no we'll have to pool all those pupil premiums to pay for a teaching assistant to the whole class and it's not actually being spent on what would do the best thing for that individual child which is the what the idea of it is so and that pupil premium is uh, a special child um with special needs or is it also for people who are less well off it could it could be um attached for lots of different reasons so it wouldn't necessarily be special educational needs it could be um yeah uh, people who are very uh, come from very poor areas it could depend on the the different needs it could be children who are um, looked after children um things like that um so it could be uh uh yeah it could be all sorts of things so the the schools are on a delicate balancing act where obviously the pupil premium is meant to sort of cover almost for the fact that this child should have more money spent on them but it's that's not necessarily going to them so a lot of children who really need stuff um, lose out so it's just yeah it's that's a real problem okay. so reforming the so, way so we can both see the problem how would labor fix it well more funding is the really really easy one to do so my taxes are going to go up your ta- i don't know how much do you earn shut up well, if you <laughs> unless you're in the top and also define earn well unless you're in the top five percent of earners your taxes will not go up only people earning over £80,000 a year's taxes will go up. And by well, in that instance... Sadly, I'll, sadly I'll be fine then. Yeah, yeah, but if they'll go up in that, inst- in that instance by a tiny amount. If, um, if it's true, if that top 5%, you know, flee, um, then, you know, how soon do I get to be in the top 5%? If the people at the top keep running away to avoid the taxes... <laughs> those people aren't even those people aren't even paying income tax anyway so that doesn't really make that that's not how it works the, that's the corporation tax adjustment but let's so that's where that's where the money's coming from and i wish actually the labor party would say this more often that they they, they say things like okay we're going to tax this or raise money from that and then spend it on this and it's kind of like this sort of quid pro quo and it's i suppose it's illustrative of moving the money away around but I yeah. just I, so okay. I, I actually, I'm, I'm going to say that this on me. We need to save uh, taxation for another week because we're going to use we're going to do all these policy okay. areas. I, and uh, I, you know, there are a lot of good questions that I could have here. Okay. Um, I, I ju- think inheritance tax is going to be my favourite. I just wish they would say more often. This is a thing we've decided is a social good, and we're going to pay for it out of general taxation. 
I just wish people I heard say someone that talking about the idea of a education service. Um, oh yeah, the, nas- the national education service. But this is not just schools. In fact, that that was our man we were talking about before, uh, the good boy on uh, Brexit. Oh, uh, Clive. Yeah, Clive. He's he's very good. He's a very good um, guy. With this, but Angela Rayner's um, shadow education department has been working really hard on this idea of the the national education service, and that is essentially it's going to almost solidify but not to the point of being immovable sort of making sure education works all through our lives essentially so it encompasses you know early learning and and nursery provision and school provision and further education and higher education and adult education and all these things so the idea is that you know learning doesn't stop and i think some of the problems with our university provision a little bit is because people are almost forced into going right I've 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 done school I've done A levels or baccalaureate or BTEC or whatever now I've got to go to university and I'm nine you know I'm 18 I'm 19 which forces them into making different decisions and creates particular problems and yeah, yeah, and markets I mean you are 17/18 when you make those choices um and it's from my point of view it was definitely too early I got those I got all of those decisions wrong yeah, so so the part of the national education service concept almost is that you know we can we can we can do better than that. We can make sure that you know adult education and further education and higher education can be spread you know across, and people don't stop learning. The um, the actual cut Tory cuts that have really hit um, things like just evening class provision. So you know there are a number of people in the in the sort of operations of the Labour Party that didn't follow the traditional route through education. They've you know they've gone back to university after having children, or you know, or not having done particularly well at school, and and have and have learned in in different ways. And that opportunity should be open to everybody. I think that's the crux of the national education service. And um, I, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, these days, I feel like there are lots of opportunities for learning. Um, but they all seem to be very hard to judge in that they seem to be run by American Pinterest social media types on profit-based websites rather than, you know, something genuinely useful. It seems, you know, potentially you could learn a new skill or potentially you could pick somebody and be fleeced by them for the same money. Completely, and I think that's the problem with the sort of marketization of it. And the the overview, you know, the sort of overviews of it. So that's the national education of it wasn't even one of the sort of uh, sort of three pillars of the policies that I was thought we were, we were going to talk about. But it it seems to be, you know, it's it's a name for a focus and it's a name for a, an overarching thing. You wouldn't, although we do talk about the the national health service as a monolithic thing, but it's a very complicated set of provisions for different things for different people at different times. And I think the National Education Service would be like that. The the um the next thing I was going to uh, come to is something which is incredibly popular with teachers. Is it paying teachers more? Uh well no, it's um abolishing um Ofsted. Or and yes. and replacing that- Ofsted. Not just not as the Tories would paint it, or oh, you're gonna get rid of Ofsted. But replacing Ofsted with a different system of, um, of of checking that schools are doing what they should be doing. So Ofsted's fascinating because Ofsted is the first thing that you look at when you're faced, like we are, with a number of different schools in the area. 
trying to work out which one is quotes you know the good one or in fact we're forced to new, learn a new language good is just rubbish we need an outstanding school for our child um and i forget the other two but it's basically outstanding good shit and shit um or you know special measures i think is that is one of the things you can be well you you can um, you can be you can be outstanding you can be good you can be satisfactory you can be requires improvement and you can be in special measures, which is a thing that might happen to a school that required improvement but wasn't improving. Yeah, uh, there we go. Yeah, that, that's, those, that's, that's the right terminology. Um, and Ofsted reports, if you actually read them, are kind of weird because they, they start off, um, you know, outstanding schools, good schools, whatever, in, in very much the same way, you know, there's a certain copy and paste document where they change a bit. So it's all of the schools in uh, my area of East London start with, there is a higher than average number of children of, a, what is it, with more than one language, or, you know, English not as a first language, yeah. um, which is true essentially for any school in London, except maybe some of the poshest bits of the West Town, you know. Um and it's just a way of saying that in some of the cities, you might find that some of the other children are not quite as white as your son or, you know. Uh, it is. I mean, it is, it's a weird language. And any um, system that really uh, works in the way that, you know, the, uh, the, uh, I know a teacher and he was saying that they get, you know, they, they know an Ofsted is roughly due because they haven't had one for a couple of years. So they're completely on the nerve edge is they'll get the call less than 24 hours before and they will descend and they will attempt to learn everything and produce this report in essentially a day. But isn't, I mean, isn't the idea of them showing up pretty much at random, um, isn't that a benefit from the point of view of inspecting it? It certainly shouldn't be that the school knows in advance which which weeks to be trying to be good so they can then slack off. Well, no, but it's, it's a, an incredibly inefficient way of making sure that schools get the help and support they need. In the same way that te- making children take exams um, is but quite. Not there in- to help the school get the help and support it needs, are they? That's not Ofsted's job. Well, that's as far problem. as I can see. That's the problem. Ofsted's job, as far as I can see it, is to help me make the right choice of school, which in turn makes this awkward scenario where that some schools can be good and some schools can be bad which makes me feel uncomfortable the so the idea that this 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 is the thing the lesson i seem to be learning you know gives us before there was ofsted there was the royal inspector of schools and teachers hated them too because on one level nobody likes their job being inspected um so so sort of that hatred has to be taken with a pinch of salt i think but at the same time, I can see that the, the Ofsted scenario doesn't seem to be quite right because the way I read it is it accepts and pretty much encourages the idea that some schools are better than others. Uh, and not, you know, in theory, I'm sure they say better for your child or what have you. But in practice, it's just better or worse, isn't it? You don't want your kid going to the right. Yeah. You know. And it was, um, um, and it's a, Sorry, go on. I was going, yeah, no, you're right. But it, it's all, but the idea that the inspectorate should purely rank, which is what it does, or you know, is 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 wrong. And any, if you are, um, I don't know, if you you do your now, these are often 
only paid lip service to but if you work in a big organization and you get your personal development reviews the idea should be that what comes out of that is not simply a rating it should be a you know a plan for development for the next year or and a, a set of targets that you can meet which are specific to you now i'm not saying that works well yeah. but that's now but that i mean we all know that that system yeah, yeah the best scenario for that is to simply fire everyone in hr from a cannon into the sun and share their salary out amongst everyone else. It's, yeah, I mean, and I think that's what lots of teachers would like to happen to Ofsted. But the idea, the idea, the idea is that um, because all schools will be brought back under um, local authority control, the idea would be that the you know the local authorities would be doing the inspection and the and the helping and the development and the. And the you know the pooling of resources and stuff, and that makes an awful lot of sense to me. And it seems that it's funny is that that I mean that's funny because I have to say that the local authority aspect of it is an absolute nightmare from my point of view because I live on basically on the border of three local authorities in London, and you know that there are schools we look. Uh, my son he goes to a nursery in Newham, which has a, a adjoining primary school. Uh, but our physically nearest school is in Waltham Forest, where we live. Uh, and there's also schools we could conceivably look at on the side of Hackney. And the the local authorities have an agenda. Um, whereas I would obviously much prefer if the, the, those boundaries just didn't matter in the slightest when it comes to picking. And so there is a sort of crossborough school choice system now mm. so are you saying labor would unpick that i don't think there's any reason why that should uh, be uh, would be unpicked at all i've not heard anything that is that it's just that school that schools will no longer be part of huge conglomerate academy chains or free schools with no decent oversight or poor relations well, that what's don't the get practical difference between an academy chain and uh a borough a or a you know a local authority the academy chain is there to make money but the, the naa well all right but it's still some bureaucracy imposed from distance right but in lots of instances, huge distances. So the academy chains are not like here's a local couple of schools that can help each other out. It's essentially we've outsourced this to the education equivalent of G4S. Yeah, that's that is unsettling. I mean, I think yes, I think one of the ones near us is uh, in one of those. And they, there is a there are vast tiers of management now, actually on the ground in schools and stuff, and area managers and all this sort of thing. We are not educationalists at all, so it's um it's quite terrifying. And I mean, this is one of these things where I trust the I trust the workers. So the um on the the postal strikes, I trust the posties. On the on schools, by and large, I trust the teachers to know what is going on. Um, so they want rid of Ofsted. They think Ofsted does not work. I trust them. And the third thing I was going, the third part of sort of uh, pillar of third policy, I thought we were going to uh, we were talking about. We added a fourth. There is um, the abolition of uh, Eton, and not just Eton, of private education. Whether or not this will uh, make it into the manifesto. I think the, um, the manifesto will include the withdrawal of charity st- charitable status, but I'd be surprised if it uh, includes the full commitment to um, seizing of property. 
Uh, well, I think season, I think seizing a property might be going a bit far, but yes, charitable status to me seems like fair game. I mean, there have even been sort of um, people on the. the although, would it be fair to say that the, the charitable status thing? There are families who are like higher middle class who send, you know, like Diane Abbott, for example, who sends her kids to fee-paying schools. Um, although I guess she's got a pretty good income, but her schools will have to charge more as a result of the loss of uh, charitable status. And it will impact the people at the lower end of the income. Or they could make less money. Or they could make that. Well, they'll probably find that it's a bit of both, won't they? You can't usually just stop making money. So either this is a a free market in which, um, you know, there'll be sort of price uh, elasticity going on or price inelasticity, and we'll we'll see what happens. I I, I mean, I genuinely don't know. Um, I don't think, um, personally, I don't think... Ignoring the Diane Abbott point, though, yeah? I don't think think the invisible hand of Adam Smith should be touching up kids. Well, (laughs) beautifully put. So yeah, that's uh, that's my. I don't think you found anything to disagree with in that. In my perhaps ill-educated uh, view of education policy. Well, obviously, I'm trusting you to know what the policy is. I mean, you're the one do- knocking doors on it, aren't you? You'll be surprised how little the actual nuance of policy comes up. Blah blah Brexit blah. Uh, at the moment. Uh, Blah, blah. It says no junk mail on my letterbox. Why have you posted this? Blah. Um, ah, yes. Next to the threatening picture of the dog. I bought that sign from B&Q for 99p and it should keep you scum away. <laughs> um, we haven't had a candidate announced yet, so there's been no door knocking for the candidates yet. Um, we had a uh, Labour thing come through the thing the day the election was sort of announced. You know, they, they were very ready with their local newsletter. Yeah, good. Well, great, great on them. I think um, our, our constituency has been deemed as not a target, as it were. So um falls down the pecking orders of even um, selections now. They're having to be handled more centrally. So uh, there is, it is apparently announced today. So we'll see. We'll see who that is. I'd be surprised if this one's not a target because you know if Labour lose um, Leighton and Wanstead, then Labour have not going to have three digits in. Oh well, I'm saying, yeah, I'm, of course yours, yours, will, yours will be yours will be a target. Mine is one where um, uh, we have to continually remind ourselves that we are um, able to use some of the uh, clever Labour technology to find seats we can win. Campaigning, um, and have you have you had uh, well m- moving on from uh, education, which has been yeah interesting, and I think does sound broadly a lot more rational. And um, it's interesting when we first spoke about the uh, abolishing private schools, you know, the, the policy side of it, which I think is what we both predicted, sounds like it might be a little less aggressive. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested. I would love to be, and not. I'd love to be a fly on the wall of the clause five meeting, but I'd also uh, love to be part of the clause five meeting because that's the sort of thing I like to do. But it would be really interesting because that is the kind of meeting that I would love to see. Because essentially, it's a meeting with, you know, do we understand people like me, uh, you know, Blairite scum who want to win, uh, or do we understand? We have a set of values that cannot, you know, it doesn't matter how popular we are or aren't. It's just about getting our values across. I don't think it's as cut and dried as that. I absolutely don't. 
So I think a lot a lot of people feel that Labour didn't, you know, a, a lot of the anger towards the Blairites within the Labour Party comes from a perception that not enough was done. You know, there was a position to achieve more, to move further left, to leave less um, less that the Tories could unpick, and they don't feel that that was achieved. Is that right? I think that. The illegal wars, the destroying of internal party democracy, that sort of thing. Foreign policy, don't care. <laughs> if, if it absolutely okay. is. If, if the war is, is your obsession with it, then you've just not understood what the job of government it's is. Not my, it's not my obsession with it, but what I'm suggesting... It's not yours, but it is some people's. Well, it, 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 there's a few million people in Iraq that probably think it was fairly important. But I think the... Hey, they got to pull a statue over. <laughs> And let's uh, see if we can. Uh, I think your your concern is the people in Iraq who don't think it's important because they don't think anything anymore because they were collateral damage. Well, th- those are the people, other ones still suffer. Well, all the people in Iraq, to be honest, because it's it, it's the, the decisions are still rebounding on them now in a very explosive way. But it's not it's not it's not just that. So yeah, I mean, as we know, there were chances to do really big things: reform the House of Lords. Um, and things, some things were done. There, some, there was reform to the not well now. enough, but there were some things that were, were, you know, changed. There was, you know, moving to PR. We could have done that when, when we had the when we had cover. Well, that would have been devastating for the then dominant Labour government. Well, moving so they to had, PR would have just handled. Well, principally, they should have. But on principle, they should have done it. There was an opportunity. So um, other things they, uh, you know, should have, but other things they should have done was, you know, proper reform of um, the NHS rather than the sort of snide introduction of PFI, which is. So I think PFI is the huge problem because we, there's no doubt that more money went into schools than the NHS and that was an, edu- and, uh, an education widely and that was a positive. I think I, I, a thought occurs um, just uh, <laughs> off the bat now, but, you know, listening. If PFI got a lot of money in from the private sector, maybe that would have been the moment, you know, after five or ten years of new labour for, um, you know, the hard left to step straight in somehow as a coup while Labour was still in office to then refuse to return the money. It would have been a really good idea. To the evil capitalists. <laughs> it was um I think that to be perfectly honest, not returning the money to the evil capitalists is one of uh, the policies that might be in the manifesto in terms of PFI. It probably the, will um, use the words evil capitalist. <laughs> well the uh the interesting um one I've heard floated is that uh Labour might might release um, supposedly uh, confidential documents about things that previous governments have done. Uh, what, do you mean a bit early? Well, yes, early yes, on, on, on day one. So that uh, the um, this is apparently being framed as something the Bolsheviks did when they took power in Russia. Well, I mean, didn't they? Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. But that's not that's hardly the problem. Yes, selective releasing of documents early, you know, does sound very politically motivated, doesn't it? But it's quite I mean it'd be quite funny. Speaking of selective releasing of documents and political motivation, isn't it interesting that we're not getting to see the uh, Russian influence on the re- referendum thing? You know what? I don't think there'll be that much in there. I think that I think there's probably a little bit 
of um, that the, looks a little bit bad for Boris Johnson, but I think if it came out, it would be ignored. They're doing a stupid thing. They're doing far more damage to them. Well, that, uh, by, that by, was, by, that by, was my thought as well, because these documents tend to be quite vague. It, it, you know, and we know these things were very hard to prove and demonstrate in uh, in the US too. Um, so why not, you know, just quietly let it out? Um, or if it is wonderfully damaging, surely there's at least one Labour supporter in the civil service who can leak it. It, I'm, I'd be surprised if it doesn't. I'd be surprised if it is now in the next couple of days. I really will. But um, I just, it just seems. But yeah, I mean, maybe, you're, yes, maybe this is a classic Dominic Cummings build it up, make it sound like it could be really, really bad. Then when it does come out, everyone's like, oh, it wasn't as bad as we thought. I think that's that's really possible. It just seems that um, they're doing a, a, you know, an absolutely stupid bloody thing. Um, it's just a, a case of. Are they that clever, or are they that stupid? I know that's not the thing that we're not talking we're not talking about right now, but the um well it's it's one of our bets we we can do it we can talk about it well okay well last last week you um forced us to do Jeremy Corbyn on a specific issue let's let's take a specific issue on Boris Johnson then do you think? Do you think his campaign strategy so thus far has been clever or stupid? Well, obviously, we will only realise how incredibly clever it was when his memoirs come out years from now, uh, when he finally parts ways with Dominic Cummings. Until now, we have to assume that it's all part of a genius game that we just somehow can't see because it looks like it's lurching from disaster to disaster in a manner of spectacular incompetence. Um, at, at best, we will know when whoever's replacing the Dimblebees to make the election less watchable um, announce the, the result of the exit poll. But until then, it does look very stupid, doesn't it? But it it seems to me that the 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 gam they're doing a really big gamble. They're gambling that the Brexit Party's influence can be contained within the Labour seats that they need to win. Yes, and that does look a bit of a gamble. I think the um, I'm not sure that you know everyone knows how winnable or not their own constituencies are um although i guess people often get those little bar charts from the lib dems don't they those are those are uh, handy <laughs> apparently they're um there are it's only them or uh, isis that can win in uh, syria at the moment <laughs> the uh, syrian government are nowhere to the stupid point it is it does seem to be that the tories of either deliberately as part of some game that I'm just too dumb to understand or perhaps more just because they are not as coordinated as they like to think, shot themselves in the foot. Perhaps it's just to make the election more exciting. I mean, possibly. You have The, the polls have been... As a, a, with the, the polls haven't with, shown a lot yet, have they? It's a bit they've shown a little bit of movement towards Labour from the Lib Dems, essentially. Yeah, which is no use to anyone. Um, apart from it is useful in those um, in those uh, Labour uh, Tory marginals, which are the ones that are really going to be the crux. 
We'll just see. But we'd quite... I mean, it'd be nice to see a little bit less, you know, support for the Tories. Uh, ironically, a bit more support for the Brexit party, maybe, in places. I think... I'd... Um, that's... that's. The, I mean, that's... that. Sorry, and that's the other key point, right? If If there's something clever going on, the clever thing is the Brexit party are all just a cunning lie. And then they all loudly announce they're standing down two weeks before when it's or even closer to the polling day than that. Um, you would have to stand you would have to stand down pretty far away not to be on the ballot paper. Yeah, but not the ballot. Not the ballot. Like really just as a massive loud public announcement kind of thing. They can still say, Don't vote for us. I don't, I don't, you know what? I don't think that message would get through. You can, the number of people that have uh, died. I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah, but one feels like the dying is, is how those people won. (laughs) Well, if it's, um, the the, the whole problem with all of this is the British electorate get to pick, don't they? And, And they can sometimes be problematic on purpose. I think there's, there's no trusting. There's no trust in the court of public opinion in the sense that the um, the rules about who gets to stand up and question the public opinion and what evidence they get to see are not well done. And I think the interesting thing about how the election strategy was going, are the Tories clever enough to know that they could get away with the editing of the Keir Starmer video yesterday but can't get away with it today? Now the rules will have kicked in. I don't know. Some are, some aren't. I mean, that's the other thing. The Conservative Party has actually, you know, across the wider membership, I don't know if the average membership is important in these situations, but I would suggest that as a result of the large number of Brexit entryists into the Tory party, the average IQ of the Tory party membership has sunk. (laughs) You know, in the past, being in the Tories and being in it for yourself, there was a good common sense link. You know, they were often the party of government. Um, but just being in government doesn't mean that the, I mean, working class Tories, for example, are not, it, they may be in it for themselves, but they're not making the correct decision. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's morally or on a wider level the right choice. And, you know, often it might end up meaning they have to spend awkward time with unpleasant old ladies. But, you know, you can see the point. Right? Oh, actually, Those people talking were probably, about... on average, a little smarter than the average Brexit here. Talking about um, spending time with unpleasant old ladies, has anybody heard where the Theresa May is standing? I have not yet. They haven't. I because um, most of the people who are not, we've already heard discussed, haven't we? Like you know, Ken Clark. Yeah, or, um... it's interesting. And the um, my favourite uh, news of it's a shame that Ken Clark's gone very quickly from being our next prime minister to. Uh... A man who a man, dis- a man dissolving in the corner of a study of a golf club. The um... I uh, did, did did you not see though Boris sort of utterly losing his composure in the house as the uh, you know as they were announcing the departure of Eric or you know being nice to people leaving. Bojo could not lower himself to be nice to Ken Clark. No, of course he couldn't, and. The, um, and, and the speaker had to. The interesting uh, Tories election uh, note has been that uh, bearded uh, Edward VIII lookalike um, 
Nick Timothy failed to win a safe seat in uh, in Meriden. Or the nomination for Well, he's failed seats. to win elections before, hasn't he? I'm just going to say he obviously ran his own campaign. I'll be interesting to see uh strong and stable strong and stable he'll he'll, he'll obviously uh, now get a uh, a column in a local um uh, Coventry newspaper to say how what a bloody good idea he was um but yes i i did i i was very amused by that he's um i mean i was very amused by the fact that he thought he should he's got a new job anyway like within the party you know his name was mud well, this is obviously why he he didn't manage to to get that um to get that berth, but the um he has got a new job anyway, which he would have to have given up. Um, he's uh, head of the Birmingham Commonwealth Games Committee thing. Yeah, lucky him. But you can see why he might have thought he could apply for it. Uh, the the position, you know, in that notoriety, uh, which was Boris Johnson's main asset seemed to get you leadership positions in the Conservative Party. Uh, it just didn't work for him because his notoriety was earned for being a loser. Well, I think that's it. The, um, there's a, a lot of um, notoriety uh, playing. And like um, Tim Walker, who's not even that notable, uh, the journalist standing for the Lib Dems and things like that, you just think, well, are we stupid? It's not. It does. This isn't going to work on people because people don't know who their MP is and they haven't heard of that journalist. You know. I tell you what. I guess uh, mid December we're going to be asking the British people, stupid or clever. Well, you know what? We don't need to ask that one, do we? Because we can just look. No, we can no, just look at I the mean. result. They're going to answer it. They're going to answer it for us. Um, or, or you know, or maybe it's part of some long game we don't understand. Oh, there was one. There was one other thing I wanted to talk about this week. So before I moved up to that London, uh, I used to work and live near work work in and live near a town called Lewis, which is the grand centre of bonfire uh, in the UK. Now we all like to blow things up on November the fifth and set light to them. Um, and uh, we do so in memorial of doing so to the Parliament, but not the Palace of Westminster, um, because it wasn't built yet, was it, when uh, Guy Fawkes tried to burn it down? No. It was It was a different Parliament. Um, anyway, in Lewis, they always make something to burn. A giant uh, papier-mâché uh, painted, what, what's the word for it? Um, but you know, an icon of our times, and and this year, the giant papier-mâché painted wicker man thing was Boris Johnson, and then a Jacob Rees-Mogg lounging behind him on a fantastic chair, and it's well worth looking up for the photographs if you've not seen it. Um, Admittedly, it's kind of weird to see them being carried on a street in the dark with lots of people with burning crosses. Um, but, you know, read about it a bit more because the burning crosses are not as bad as you might think. <laughs> and you do get to see Boris Johnson burn down. <laughs> that was, um, yeah, I'll have to have a look at that. I haven't seen that yet. I would, is, before I go, there is a thing that I was going to um, talk to you about. The... Uh, did you know? Well, I was going to ask you if you were going to, you know, we have a, a little bit of a, a you know, a, 
a false a false opposition here. We uh, we set ourselves up against each other, even though we might not really be that far apart. Um, I've recorded a hit Christmas single. Are you going to do that? Am I going to record a hit Christmas single? Yeah. See which one makes it to the top of the charts. No. <laughs> no, I want yours to win. I'm, you know, it's a like you said, it's false enemy. We're not we're not actual enemies. Um, more importantly, uh, you know, I can barely manage to edit a podcast, let alone music. The uh, so um, we'll we'll send a little uh, preview out maybe uh, next week. It's not going to come out till the twenty second of November, um, which gives it a couple of weeks tint at the uh, the the um, the pre election charts, and then maybe if uh, all goes well there, I think it's heading for Christmas number one. And um, yeah, we'll see. But if you want to, uh, if you want to be the first to, to know, pop over to mustbecorbin.co.uk and uh, you'll be able to find out all about it. I'm tempted to go and do that now. Well, you go off and, and do that, Adam, and I'll just say to um, all of the, the two or three people that are listening, you can reach us at thatoption.co.uk, at the option pod on Twitter. So just search for that option no longer exists on Facebook. Um, email us hello at thatoption.co.uk and um, yeah, pop to mustbecorbin.co.uk to uh, to get all the latest pop gossip. Um, this election so far has been quite fun, don't you think? Uh? Elections are they're usually fun, but yeah, this one has a, a nice twist, doesn't it? Because you can. It's sort of like one of those where there is this happy ending, but it's very, very unlikely. Like we're currently in a tower full of terrorists and there is only one of us on the good side. Uh, <laughs> and you've got to fight through all of those um, lunatics and their Alan Rickman to stand a chance of getting to the end. So I'm, I'm really hoping for a good narrative arc. That's what I'm saying. A good Christmas story where the right side wins is all I want. Yeah, that's right. And then they can make it into a John Lewis advert in years to come. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>